How are you guys doing? This episode is sponsored by K12.com. I've actually been fairly busy the past couple days, so my apologies on getting the updates out. But I can say my guys are going to be inside of Ukraine, or they might be inside of Ukraine right now, or crossing the border, or on a flight. I don't entirely know. They're somewhere in the world. But they're going to be going over there, and they're going to be filming some documentaries. So we should be seeing those things come out over the next few weeks. They have a lot of things planned. I hired a journalist, as a lot of you guys do know. He was over there for two-ish months. He's really heavily connected. So I sent my camera guy and him over there to Ukraine because I wanted to film some documentaries for you guys. Excuse me. But I have decided to put everything on this channel and take a pause on Dispose, not because I don't think and believe in Dispose, but because I may have stretched myself just a bit to things. I'm a pretty... I'm honestly a pretty busy individual, but I'm still going to bring all those documentaries and all those ideas over to this one and just try to build up this channel. So hope you guys actually enjoy seeing all that stuff that's going to be coming over here to speak the truth. I want to thank you so much for sticking around for the last like six months or so. But the southern portion of Ukraine, just so everybody is, is, is aware, is now going to become the more important portion of this fight uh, for Russia as of now. So you guys are aware. We all thought the eastern side of the country was like the, the pivotal moment. Well, it's looking like... Like, the southern half is going to be that. Now, the, the the region down there is significantly, like, it is the significant source of the Ukrainian GDP, like, as a whole. And it also is the location of some of the largest power plants inside of the country. The ports in the southern portion of Ukraine represent literally half of Ukraine's exports when it comes to dollars, like, coming in and also stuff going out. Now, what is going to happen when Russia suffers a significant loss in the southern region of this country? Like, a lot of people have mixed thoughts on this. And they don't think it might not be possible to retake the ground down there and stuff like that. But I, I, I believe it's 100% feasible. Like, I, I do believe it's something they can do. Not just because it's like high hopes or anything, but it, with, with the help from the West, it is something that can happen. And I'm going to talk about that here later on. Like, honestly, what happens if Russia is really pushed back into Crimea? Like, that's going to be a massive blow to the Russian government's image as a whole. Like, it's going to be very embarrassing for Putin himself just in, in general. Like, how, how are Putin's friends in Beijing... Going to think about him, along with his buddies over in Tehran. Like, this is an honest question. Like, this is this is going to do nothing more than drive the idea home, like here in the United States, that it's time to support more and more the operation inside of Ukraine. It's, it's kind of a big deal. Like, just think about it. If the Russian naval base in Sevastopol, down in the southern region, like, were to come into range of the HIMARS, or any other long-range Ukrainian missile, like, in the south, like, are they willing to actually risk the entire fleet down there? Most likely not. Like, I, w- I would assume no. I, I mean, we've seen some crazy stuff, but most likely not. So what are they going to do? They're going to start exfilling from Crimea. And, of course, it would actually end up being some sort of goodwill gesture, right? That's how they would spin it. Just, just asking you guys. I'm kind of I'm lay, laying out the groundwork of what I see happening. Like, I really wanted to bring this up and hammer this home because we all thought the eastern side of the country was going to be the most important fight of the war. But I am now convinced that the southern region of Ukraine is going to end up being the most important thing for Russia and for Ukraine. So, I mean, just take a gander at this piece, at how important it is to hold on to the areas they have taken. I mean, they clearly see this entire area of all the areas, actually, not just this this specific one, as an economic piece for Russia itself. That's why I believe, like I said earlier, that this is going to be the most important fight of the war is going to be inside the southern region. Like, they know the ports equal money, and they need it to connect with Transnistria. You're putting the pieces of the puzzle together, and they keep expanding what their idea is and what their thought process is 
of what winning is inside of Ukraine. Like, crazy thing here is, like, the Russian defense minister has also stated that the goal is to re return to a Soviet Union. He literally said that. They want to return to a Soviet Union. They're not even trying to hide it anymore. They claim that this special military operation, and yet we, we keep seeing all these victory flags flying around, which are literally nothing more than just a Soviet flag, as we all know. It might have, like, a, a number on it, but it's literally sickle, hammer, uh, yellow, red. Like, it's literally the same thing. Okay, yeah. We, we all get it. Like, I'm going to quote this gentleman directly, by the way. By, by the way. And he directly said, and I quote, Soon there will be a Soviet Union again, and we will, we will again live in peace. Like, do we need to remind the world of how hostile the Soviet Union was literally to everybody that didn't confine to the rules? Like, what peace is this guy even talking about? Like, they could literally have peace right now if they just left the country. Like, if they left the country of Ukraine, peace would happen. I'm just, let's be honest. It's not like Russia is going to get attacked by America. Like if they, if they really think that they're absolutely insane. If they just went and left Ukraine, they would have, well, for one, they'd have a lot of things that have to rebuild and pay for. Like just going to throw that one out there. I think everybody knows that reparations would be absolutely astronomical and it would go on for decades, literally decades. They would take to rebuild that country. Anyway, and I know that I, I, I have been, I, I mentioned stuff about China. It's not like I'm trying to do it every single day, but Nancy Pelosi, we know that they're going over there. Uh, I talked about this earlier in the week, going over to Taiwan, and it seems that America might be taking it a fairly more, more seriously, like maybe a bit more serious. We have apparently sent a U.S. aircraft carrier group towards Taiwan here a few days ago, which of course is coming just after Beijing had warned that it would take actually strong measures if she visited the island. Like I was actually hoping she was going to visit the island just because it would get underneath their skin. Like, I have no idea if this is already a planned um, trip by, I say planned trip, if it was already planned out by the U.S. Navy or something to decide to do over the comments Beijing had made. But to me, it just seems like this would be more of an exercise that had been planned for a bit in advance and not something that is directly due to her going there. But I thought I would at least mention it to you guys. Like, something like that doesn't seem like, you know what, let's go ahead and get a training operation going. Uh, we should probably go to Taiwan. <laughs> I don't think that's the way it works. I'm just being, I, maybe it does. I don't know. When I was in the military, that kind of stuff, I mean, we're talking a mass movement of like an entire, I don't even know how many ships that is. I mean, aircraft crew with, with a bunch of its little buddies like, floating around in the ocean. That's, that's the way we look at it. When I was in the army, I just look at these guys that are driving around these, they're, they're just on these big floating islands pretty much out there. Like, I don't think it's just something that could spin up really quick. But also, apparently, Putin has been uh, receiving a bit too much attention because Kim Jong-un, yes, our big friend over there in North Korea, has now decided and announced today that the DPRK is completely ready for a military conflict with the United States. Yes, they're 100% ready for a conflict with the United States. Don't really uh, know if this guy, he, he's out of his mind. Let's just be 100% real. And Russia has also decided to actually launch 25 missiles today from Belarus into Ukraine, and it was all done within one hour. And so this stuff is still taking place. They're still literally using another country to shoot rockets from into Ukraine. Like, this is where we know that they use this as a launch pad at the beginning for their miserably failed initial invasion of Ukraine, and they're still utilizing Belarus to launch missiles. If you're looking for more control over your child's education, check out today's sponsor, K12.com. K12 helps you take charge with tuition-free online schooling that fits your life. You can personalize your child's education to let them learn at their own pace, their own way. 
using the tools and tech for their generation. It is so smart. I wish I had this growing up. I'm one of these kids. I'm telling you right now, if, if, if it was me growing up, I needed this. I did not finish high school. It wasn't for me. It's not, not, it's not because I'm illiterate or I'm stupid or I'm dumb. It's just those curriculums, they, don't, they just did not fit down my path. Like I had to join the military. I got a GED. I wish I had K12.com. Learning is flexible, interactive, and it's going to be much more fun for the individual. Like, you got to give it a shot. Go to k12.com forward slash iHeart. You can explore curriculums and see success stories from some of the over 2 million families who have taken charge of the child education. You can, too. Help your child reach its full potential. Reach their full potential. Classes are taught by passionate, state-certified teachers, and your child has the chance to develop social skills through field trips, clubs, and activities. K-12 has been helping families take control of the child's education for over 20 years, and you can too. Take charge today at k12.com forward slash podcast. That is k12.com forward slash podcast. For everybody who is on YouTube, make sure to click the link at the very top of the description. Thank you so much for k12.com for sponsoring this episode. All right, so we're going to move over to some mapping. We are seeing some movement in areas that we haven't seen a single thing happen, in not, not actually physically happen, but movement-wise, in months, and it's fairly impressive. Like, when I'm, I'm being very honest when I say this. Now, the northern portion of our keep itself has been calm over the last few days, but as we move south. So we are sitting here. This is the northern portion of our keep, which I, if you're new to the channel, red, Russia, blue, Ukraine, you guys know the deal. This is the northern portion of Kharkiv, all right, just so everybody's aware. There's nothing going on when it comes to movement-wise. Yes, they're still fighting on a daily basis. I'm going to tell you guys right now, there's most likely going to be an attack coming out of Kozacha Lapan that moves towards Udi every single day. The Russians want to check it off their list like they actually did something in that area. So that's pretty much that. The Ukrainian military was actually able to eliminate a Russian recon element that was just on the outskirts of the settlement of Chepel. So we haven't actually talked about this area uh, in a little bit. So here's Chuihiv. Nothing's really going on down here. And this, you know what, I'm going to go to a more uh, close-up version for you guys because I really, I think that is important so you guys can actually see if you guys are actually watching. So Chepel's right here. All right, so I'm going to go ahead and circle it and back out just a little bit. So see where we're at? There's Kharkiv. We're down here. I have added some more stuff. I added this, this little red area uh, for... It's now confirmed to be controlled by the Russians. So they actually did destroy or take out a, a Russian recon element that had been pushing through there. And the Russians are actually, wow, that's a, that came out kind of strange. Russians have actually been able to, uh, wow. The Russians have also been noted to be starting to build up and fortify inside of this area along, uh, along this river. You guys can see this purple line that comes through here just out of Chepel. They're building additional pontoon bridges inside this area. Now there is a chance that they, they would want to continue north, this, this push north that they're trying to do to cut off the Ukrainian element uh, that is able to target the main routes coming into Izium. So right now you have a little bit of a pocket of Ukrainians who is right here that still maintain that can hit all these routes with artillery, for sure. Now I'm going to assume that they've been pushing up through this way to try to cut them off to actually squeeze them out. I'm going to say that's probably what they're, they're, they're attempting to do at least. Now we're going to move a little bit east from here. They didn't. They actually kind of start stopped their entire push down here to Barvin Cove. Nothing's really happened here as of recently. But look at this. This is a big deal. I mean, this is you guys. If you guys have been on this channel for a while, you haven't seen a lot of movement in this area in literally months. This is on the complete opposite side of Izium, where we were starting here a second ago. And there's a big movement taking place by Ukrainian military. This is the first time we've seen any sort of offensive push. In this area, and honestly, I believe this is the only way it's even possible 
or the only area it's even possible because the commanders in this area had to see some sort of weak point inside the Russian military that gave them the ability to actually push through. I know I made that sound a bit more not so complex what it, what it was actually supposed to be than I made it seem. It was probably a bit more more difficult. I just made it sound a little easier. But what I meant was this inside the area that's on the northwest side of Boho Rodichin, which has been right through here. It's been heavily contested over the last like month or so. This is a really big deal. Like a really like this is a big deal because not only did they make this push through an area that has been extremely contested, but they were able to do it out of Doldnia, which has been under heavy contested over the last two months. This is what I'm talking like we are talking about. They literally made an offensive push out of this area, which has been literally blocking the Russians from pushing down this main MO3 route into Slovenask. They then pushed all the way through almost to Pas Pasvika, all the way on the the, the edge of this. This, uh, you guys see the, the pink line right there? So this southern side is going to have a bit, bit more high ground than on the northern side of the river, on the Donetsk River. That's what this entire thing is. That's why you guys see the Russian boundary line, the front line. It's pretty much on the northern side of this river because the southern side is pretty much just all hills. If they're able to retake this ground, I don't see how they're going to be able to hold this Borho Rodichine at all. That is the Russians. Like, this is the same area where I said the Russians needed to push through and try to get the ground back from the Ukrainians like the elements on the southern side of Boho Rodichan, they had to actually push back through Dolya and they weren't able to. You guys remember a few days ago what had happened? They destroyed a Russian recon element that was trying to push south. You guys remember that? They, they, they literally just lost a very key piece of terrain. Like leading in, like this is a very key piece of terrain that the Russians are now giving up in Izium, on the southern portion of Izium. I personally do not see why or how the Russians would want to hold the city of Boho Rodichan at this point. Like, if they're going to have to deal with the Ukrainian element on the northern side of them, there's no real, like, they have no real ability of getting resupplied either. So it's going to be really difficult for me to really think that the element that's right here on the southern side of the Dennis River is going to want to maintain holding that ground. Like, I expect the Russians to pull out of this area over the next 48 hours or so if the Ukrainians, if the Ukrainians are still able to apply pressure and don't get pushed back south. We're going to move a bit more east. Over here, the Russians have had a little bit more success. The, it's starting to really show that the offensive has kicked back off because we are talking about, I'm not going to talk about the small ticks that happen every single day, troops in contact, the firefights and whatnot, because that is just not, I, I, I could say these episodes would be like three hours long. I'm just not going to do that. So essentially right through here, heavy fighting right here, heavy fighting. And if you guys are listening, the northern northeast side of Bakhmut is what I'm talking about. Okay. Now, it really depends on which source you guys are getting your information from. Like, when, if you just want to get from one source, you're going to have a kind of a skewed idea what is going on. Some of the guys out there that I, I do sift through, they're very pro-Ukrainian, which is fine. There's nothing wrong with that. But they're going to they're going to be looking through this thing with like a tainted lens is the way I would think about it. They didn't want to mention that, yes, the Russians have actually gained a little bit of ground in Seversk, but... They're trying to hint that they're now starting to take back the East. That's not the case. Now, they, they really isn't. I just want everybody to know that. But the Russians were actually able to finally break through the defensive line. There's the Ukrainian defensive line along the main route that leads into Siversk from the East. Now, this, this city has a crazy name, which is right here, Vekorovsky. Anyway, it's on the most eastern side of Siversk. It's the main route. You guys see the black route that leading into Lizchansk that leads into Siversk. They now have broke through and are maintaining this. Like if the Russians can maintain this ground, which is clearly possible, it's going to force the, the men in Serbianka and Harovika to, to really contemplate what they want to do. If they're able to maintain this ground, like if they can maintain the ground, which is clearly possible, like I said, this one right here, 
all the men that are inside this little pocket are going to have to figure out if they, they think it's necessary to hold it or throw this out there. They might have the given chance to then push off or, excuse me, push south, like, and actually hit the threat straight on. And I give them a chance to slip through and cut off the men, like may have overextended once again, which we've seen them do in the, the, the past many and many and many of times. That is the Russians. And we're going to push a little bit south. That's pretty much what's going on, the, the big stuff that's going on uh, over there in the eastern side of the country. They are getting very close to Cyversk. Remember, remember, the Ukrainians are on the, on the side of the hills, on this side, on the western side. The Russians are actually having to fight downhill right now, which they're going to sustain major casualties. So everybody is... Just remember that. I want to bring them back up. Western side of Seversk, hills, Ukrainians. The eastern side, they're going downhill. It's not very good for the Russians to do that. They're going to move really quick, sustain a lot of casualties. So we're going to move a little bit south here. And it's going to be on the southern side of Bakhmat. It's, it's looking a bit more grim in certain areas for the Ukrainian military because uh, they were actually able to advance close to the city of Solidar from the southeast. So they actually have finally pushed through closer to the main route. They've gained a little bit of ground, which is right through here. But they haven't really gained a significant amount on the northern side. Uh, the fighting has continued to be very, very heavy outside of the town of Perovsky, which is the area I just circled. It's just another one of the cities that's on the eastern side of Bakhmat, so as everybody's listening. And the Russian army reportedly has ground and air superiority. So just take note of that. Inside of this area, they do have ground and air superiority. It looks like the Ukrainian military that was also down just south of here in this little pocket. Remember, I was talking about this pocket. I was like, at some point, well, I kind of make it look like a pair of pants there. But at some point, they're going to have to move out. I, like, I thought they were going to have to. It's Novoluhansk. Um, they've been holding this area out for a very long time, and I didn't really know why they were holding it. Uh, there's a very large power plant in this area. But the main reason why, I, I would say, is probably because that main route that leads into the MO6 route that leads, or the MO3 route, I guess you'd say, that leads into Bakhmat. They were holding off the very last piece of it so that they can't get resupplied going in. But, like I said, they now have shifted out, and there's heavy fighting taking place inside this area, so the Russians might actually be able to gain some ground. If you're on their side of things, they might be able to gain some ground over the next week or so inside of this area because they do have ground and air superiority. But if I know that, the Ukrainians know that, which means they actually might start moving some big stuff in there. Some big ticket items might get moved in this area to take back that superiority. So, other than that, we're going to be shifting. Nothing major has happened along this line, which is the Eastern Front. I'm going to shift over. So we were just sitting here in the eastern area. Nothing major has happened along the southern front. We're going to continue shifting. Kyrgyzstan. Kyrgyzstan's the big deal. Kyrgyzstan's the hot ticket item inside of Ukraine right now. Now there's area down in Kyrgyzstan where the Ukrainian military has been surgically using, like hitting the Russians with HIMARS. Like what I mean surgical. Like surgical. Just in the last 48 hours alone, the Ukrainians have been able to take out three separate bridges which is really going to make it very difficult for the Russians to retreat. They're going to reconsider holding the city as itself, as a whole. Like, is it worth it? And it's pretty insane. Like, I'm, I'm going to be honest with you. They're cutting off the Russians on this northern side, like in Kyrgyzstan itself, north of the, the Dnipro River. Like, it, like, so here you go. Here's one bridge that's been taken out. Here's two. That main bridge that leads into Kyrgyzstan, I actually have a video, which I'll share here in a second. And here's another one. All three of those bridges right there, have been taken out. And we know that the dam on the northern side is currently, has been damaged, and they were using um, pontoon bridges at one point. And I don't really know if it's going to, if the, if the Russians are going to be able to retreat in a timely manner on those main bridges, because they're not operable. Like, so this makes you wonder, what are they going to do? And when you zoom out and look at it, 
There's no more bridges along this entire line. So all the men that are inside of this area right here are now effectively cut off. Like when I told you guys a few weeks ago that I thought the Kirsten Offensive would be a, a real thing, I honestly did not believe they would be able to take out all the major bridges within 48-hour period, literally leaving the Russians in extremely difficult positions. They also have embedded Ukrainian soft units inside these areas working right now. Like, literally, the Russians do not have control on the ground inside of Kyrgyzstan itself. You have Ukrainian special operators working inside of the, the, the city itself, coordinating these strikes. Not, not only that, they took out three different police officers that were Russian collaborators with vehicle bombs. Like, you know what that does? Like, these, these attacks were not on the same day or on the same targets. They were all separate. They were all done at different times, on different days, over the last two days, that is. Like, these kind of attacks will instill immense amount of fear on the local officers and the people who have decided to collaborate with the Russian government and turn against their own country. Like, I'm, like, that is going to mess, like, they cannot sleep at night comfortably, like, which they shouldn't if you are a traitor. Like, let's just be honest. Like, what is even more insane is the fact that the Russians were attempting to use a pontoon ferry to move supplies and men across the river. And then it was targeted by these same individuals. So not only do the Russians not have control of Kyrgyzstan, they cannot even move their own supplies inside of Kyrgyzstan without these, these, these Ukrainian soft units actually targeting them they never even know like this this is what's getting kind of like it almost seems like kirsten is somewhat spiraling a little bit out of control for the russians as of right now i know that they could possibly i mean they could set up a this entire purple line you guys see here if you guys are on youtube that flows all the way down let me clean this up this entire purple line right here this is all a river so they can set up some tort some 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 tort some sort of pontoon bridge or sometimes a floating to get across but as of right now like, this is, that's not that, they're in a pretty pretty rough spot. Not to add a little bit more salt to the wound here, uh, of them not being able to retreat correctly, currently, as the Russians, they have now just lost another ammunition storage area, which is on the northern side of the city, inside of, just outside the, the Kyrgyzstan airport. Like, this is a massive deal. Because it's literally, which the Kyrgyzstan airport, for everybody who's aware, is roughly, I think it's about right here. I think that is actually the Kyrgyzstan airport. But I think the ammunition depot was somewhere about right here. I know I just made a huge blob. But roughly about right here. Hey, now this is a massive deal because it's literally one of the, it's, it's the largest, I guess, ammunition depot on the city's edge. And this would have been the ammunition area that would have been refitting all the men on the edge of the city and all the men who are actually on the front line. Like We got to remember, they're having to make these trips back and forth to refit these men with ammo, supplies, and what, what not fuel. Now, if this ammunition depot, now they're going to have to go farther, deeper into the city or farther, deeper to another portion of Kirsten to get their ammo to resupply the front, which is going to take longer. Like, I get, I'm now starting to see what's going on. The Ukrainians are literally using the HIMARS like a scalpel or a surgeon would use a scalpel in, in during surgery. Like, they're just literally carving out chunks. I've, I've actually personally never seen this happen during any type of war. I guess one that's been as well documented as this. Like, this is a real full-fledged... We haven't seen anything like this since World War II. And we know that, it, that this day and age with social media and Twitter and, and Telegram and everything like that, just social media in general, things move quick and you're able to see stuff happening on the ground that you would normally not be able to see. So it is a different type of... It's just a crazy thing to see this all happening with four eyes. It's just... It's crazy to me, you know? The Russians are literally preparing right now for the uh, upcoming and um, literally the, the coming Ukrainian offensive inside of the city because they've been started to fortify the choke points 
um, all the main strips that are coming into the city, they're literally fortified. Like, I'm not even kidding when I say say this. The, the Russians are virtually cut off in Kyrgyzstan. Like, they're literally cut off right now. And losing the city would severely undermine Russians' attempts to paint the occupation of this area as any, like, any sort of success. This, this, what's going on in Kyrgyzstan right now is a big deal. Like, it is, is it, like, you know what kind of confusion... It, it's gonna it's gonna cause the men on the on the northern side of this river. Like, how are they going to exfil out of here? Where are they going to move? What is the end goal? Is it worth holding? Are they going to be forced to hold it? Are they going to become cannon fodder? These are all questions. Like, I personally have. A, I don't know what's going on in this area, but Kirsten was easy to take because of the way the ground laid out. Okay, Mikolaev was easier to hold. And now we do we do know offensive pushes are going to sustain much more higher casualty rates than than defensive. But in this this, I, I don't know. This one's going to get a bit interesting because where are these men going to go? If they have no bridge to go across, which you guys saw earlier, it was all jacked up. What are they going to do? That's, I don't know. So stay tuned. I will see you guys here either tomorrow or the day after. I do love you guys. I've been very busy. Thanks for hanging out with me over here on the channel. I'm out, and I'll see you guys later.